Thank you, choir. Isn't it a joy to listen to that music and worship? Thankful for the gifts of God's people, and thank you for sharing with us. And I'm grateful that you all are here tonight, and I just want to share with you for a few minutes from God's Word. And as I think about um, Christmas time and Advent and all that happens, uh, for many people, and perhaps you're included in this number, Christmas time is a time of joy, right? It's a time of cheer. Um, of being able to be together, perhaps with your family that you like to be around, and sometimes your family that you don't like to be around. Um, Maybe you get to travel, you get to exchange gifts, and if nothing else, you can at least treasure a few days off of work and a couple weeks off of school, right? Now, for others of you, this is and maybe has been, or maybe for the first year, this is a really painful time of year. I know for several of you, this is your first Christmas without your spouse, without your husband or your wife, and there's certainly pain that comes with that kind of loss. And if this describes you tonight, I just want to tell you how glad I am that you're here tonight and that you're with people and that you're, you're worshiping and you're rejoicing and that you are able to find some sort of meaning, and I hope tonight to, to be warmed and to in, be encouraged and in the presence of others and in the joy of the gospel, that you would find some balm for your heart and your soul. And the truth is that all of us have, at some point or another, felt very much alone. And if we consider the universe, just the great vastness of the universe, this shouldn't be such a far-fetched idea. And this was illustrated over 30 years ago in a pretty poignant manner on Valentine's Day, February 14th, of 1990, 13 years after the launch of the Voyager 1 space probe. Anybody remember Voyager 1? And in 1990, on February 14th, it had just passed the orbit of Neptune, which back then was still in the solar system because Pluto was still a planet. Pluto isn't a planet anymore, so it was outside the solar system. And from this vantage point, the the Voyager 1 space probe at the edge of our solar system was able to send a photograph back to the Earth from a distance of about 3.7 billion miles. And who hasn't had a photo like that on their Instagram? (laughs) Now, just for reference, so 3.7 billion miles. For reference, the sun is roughly 93 million miles from the Earth. So this space probe was 40 times further from the Earth than the sun is when it took this picture. And just fun fact, this is a free one. Currently, Voyager 1 is about 15 billion miles away from the Earth. Now, this iconic photograph taken on Valentine's Day, 1990, is called Pale Blue Dot. And it shows some of the sun's rays reflected by the probe's cameras. And within the brightest of these rays, on the right-hand side of the photo occupying less than one pixel of photographic real estate, you can see a pale blue dot, the earth. Can you see it? Now, in 2020, NASA released an updated, enhanced version of this photograph. They sharpened it up. They removed some of the graininess from the 90s. And perhaps you can see that pale blue dot a little bit better there. If you're still struggling to see it, there it is. Now, in his 1994 book, aptly titled Pale Blue Dot, popular astronomer and science writer Carl Sagan wrote this. 
He said, the earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph, they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner, how frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatreds. And I'll put the next paragraph on the screen so you can follow along, because I want you to hear and see what he says. Sagan continues, Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. How's that for optimism? In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. And Sagan's overarching point, I think he actually was an optimist, his overarching point, of course, is that since there is no one out there to help us like a God of any sort, the only hope we have for continued human existence must be found in and amongst ourselves. But step back for a moment and just consider Sagan's view of the universe as a vast, empty, impersonal space. The vastness of which, according to Sagan, amplifies both our insignificance and our loneliness. In other words, in the great scheme of things, we are nothing. And to make matters even worse, we're all alone. And if Sagan is correct, I can think of only two viable ways to deal with that realization. The first is to despair, right? To embrace the void that's out there and, and the void that's really inside of us, to simply give up in the overwhelming insignificance and loneliness. Alternatively, this knowledge, if he's correct, might drive us to find meaning somewhere, and the popular narrative today, the narrative which, if I understand Sagan, was his vision is to find our own meaning, to find it within ourselves, to create our, our meaning and then give our insignificant and lonely existence some sense of purpose. But is it enough to simply look inside ourselves? Is it enough to create our own meaning? And thankfully, I'm convinced that God has given us a better option. Because if the Bible is true, then God is writing a story that completely recenters the narrative of the pale blue dot. And in this story, in the, in the most profound way ever imagined, God has addressed both our insignificance and our loneliness. And when we celebrate Christmas Eve, we celebrate God's answer to the pale blue dot. We tell the story of God's response to our insignificance and to our loneliness. So allow me to read, if you will, and I won't do it as well as these kids did, but the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And herein, in this story, in this narrative that God has written, here is the answer to the age-old question of insignificance. The answer is this, that God came near. He became a human being. He became a baby. John 1.14 says that the word, that Jesus became flesh. He entered into our existence. And he, by becoming one of us, he reminds us actually who we were created to be. By God's design, we're given significance as the only being created in his image. And in the image of God, we're therefore unique among all of creation. And in the incarnation, and that's just a fancy word that means that Jesus, God himself, took on human flesh. He took on human nature. In this reality, in this incarnation, God gave us our ultimate significance. We matter to him. And by by taking on our nature, he actually invites us into his nature. To be with Him, to serve Him, to to be His children and worship Him and enjoy Him and glorify Him forever. So in God's story, the birth of Jesus reminds us of our significance. But the story also makes clear that we're not alone in the vast emptiness of space. The ancient title for Jesus, Emmanuel, is a Hebrew word meaning God with us. And John 1.14, which I quoted a moment ago, goes on to say that Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. He didn't become a human and then go have a house on the hill where he never had to deal with any of us. He pitched his tent with us. He moved into our neighborhood. So we're not abandoned to the void. We have not been left alone. The God who holds the entire universe and every solar system in the palm of his hands has not cast us out as eternal cosmic rejects. Rather, he is in the business of making us eternal insiders, part of the family, sons and daughters, with God forever. So as you consider the story of the coming of Jesus, and maybe for you that's just a fairy tale and it's out there and there's no way it could be reality, and for others of you it's the central reality of your life, as you consider this story, the story that we celebrate and we tell over and over again at Christmas time, remember this. The only thing that can keep us from despair is the good news that God has come. That he's taken on our nature. That he's given each one of us the opportunity for eternal significance. God has not left us alone. In the infant Jesus, God has come near. He was with us and he is with us. So take heart, friends, for Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us.
At this time, I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward, and we're going to take our special offering uh, during the next song that we're going to sing right after I pray. Again, this is a special offering that we as a body during this Advent season kind of set aside some money to give towards some special projects. Again, one of them is in Israel. The other is in Moldova in Eastern Europe. And again, if you want to participate with us, again, that's great. But during the song, these are going to come around. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you have sent your son, Jesus. That even though as we look at it through photographs and space probes, Lord, the universe is ginormous. It's huge. We can't even imagine and fathom the breadth and the depth of it, the vastness of it. And yet you hold all of that in the palm of your hand. To you, it is all dust. And then you took us, human beings, and you set us on this little pale blue dot, and you gave us significance. And not only that, but you came down to dwell with us and to become one of us. And we praise you, Jesus, that the word became flesh, that you became flesh and dwelt among us, that we have been able to see and hear of your glory the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Tonight, Jesus, would you open our hearts and remind us that you are with us. In your name we pray, amen.